Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. I'm sorry we missed last week. There were some issues with too many people taking holidays because, of course, it's such a lovely summer, which means we missed one of the most interesting news items of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I've been busy reviewing all of the political and economic analysis of how the UK is underperforming its G7 counterparts because of Brexit. And then it turns out it's all a load of rubbish. They revised the GDP. And in fact, we're right in the middle of the pack. Nigel, I'm sure you are very shocked about this, and I'm curious what you have to say. Well, on this podcast before, we've condemned the Bank of England, the Financial Conduct Authority. Um, I, I, I apologise to viewers, we haven't had to go at the ONS before, uh, because <laughs> in line with virtually every central London organisation um, in the country, they're all useless. So yes, as you say, this narrative about how badly we're doing, uh, not just the growth figures, Interestingly, on manufacturers too, there's been a big rethink on manufacturing numbers over the last 48 hours too. So today's figures aren't great. We're headed for recession, but it's not just us. You know, and if you actually look at the GDP growth since the referendum, we've grown more than France and Germany, not less, as everybody would have you believe. It's difficult to understand how the figures could have been that far out in percentage terms. Yeah, that, That's the thing. To be slightly out, of course, you know, we understand that, 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 that samples and surveys are taken. You can't go and speak to every business in Britain. But to be that far out uh, suggests a methodology uh, that needs completely scrapping and starting again. So, yeah, look, I'm frustrated. I don't believe this government's done anything like enough with Brexit, whether it's on financial market regulations or helping fishermen. Uh, there's so much more we could have done. But despite all of that, actually... And, you know, of course, America is way ahead of us. But actually, relative to our European neighbours and counterparts, we're doing okay in relative terms. Sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this content, you can get it every single day. Just click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com. Get a daily email from our team of experts. Thank you. I want to ask about the underlying issue that you sort of mentioned there, which is just the nature of economic statistics. I was listening today to a video of a lady who operates in the US, and she's been sort of following up some of the housing statistics in the US about how many houses have been built, how many have been sold, and all these sorts of issues. And this video was just extraordinary because basically she says it's a load of rubbish. Um, you know, a lot of the statistics are manipulated in all sorts of different ways because the people that have the, the incentive to do the reporting have all sorts of other incentives. And it, it sort of made me question something that I've been pondering for a very long time about. Whether the economic statistics, oh, in all sorts of, of different forms, whether they're valid enough to even have these debates and these analyses properly. In other words, all of this analysis by the Bank of England and, and all these economic consultancies, if the data is wrong because it's being reported in various different incorrect ways or because there's incentives to report it in correct ways or because the ways it's collected, inflation statistics being another good example, then all these debates that we have, they're just so artificial and, you know, it's just sort of showmanship. Well, real. I think it was, I think it was even funnier. Um, if we're debating figures that get released for the previous quarter being wrong, what about the forecasts? <laughs> I mean, why would you believe any of the forecasts? I know it's, a, it's, it's an old joke, but um, 
uh, the late Bill Deeds, who was in Macmillan's cabinet, you know, and with a lifetime as uh, as a politician, the cabinet minister, uh, editor of the Daily, Daily Telegraph. And Bill once said, it never once in his life had a Treasury forecast been correct. So, <laughs> yeah, I think we do tend to get um, a bit carried away with waves of optimism or waves of pessimism based on data that may be inaccurate. But but we have to have something to measure it by. It, it's rather like opinion polls on which political party is going to win the election or who's going to win the referendum. You know, we know these things can be wrong, but we still need something to have a debate around. So I think really- I disagree with you, Nigel. You must be familiar with the, the architect of Hong Kong's economic success story. I think it's John, John James Calpathwaite. John Calpathwaite, yes. Yeah, and his comment for the best way to make poor countries rich was to abolish their national statistics agency. <laughs> because if you give people figures, ah, then they manipulate it. Ah, but Cowperthwaite's success with Hong Kong wasn't that chiefly for that reason. Cowperthwaite's success was because he pursued an economic policy that was akin to Milton Friedman-style laissez-faire. Just let him get on with it and let's see what happens. Um, and that's why Hong Kong became as wealthy. But I think that the secret sauce was that the people who wanted to intervene in the in the Hong Kong economy didn't have the information they would have needed in order to analyze all sorts of weird economic maybe. theories and come up with ways to intervene. You may be right. Yeah, you may be right. There's all well, but you know, I mean, government these days will always find an excuse to intervene, uh, not just in economics, but in how we drive our motor cars and how we live our lives, and and uh, so you know, government. Government has got bigger and bigger and bigger, and and this is this is back to the earlier comment. This is the frustration with Brexit. Many of us had hoped government would get smaller as a result of Brexit. It hasn't happened, but despite that, there are still people out there within the country doing good things. It's a real mix of good news and bad news on the economic statistics front. So we've got recent GDPs come well below expectations. Uh, I think it's growth 0.5 percent in a, to the recent months of July. And then we've got the the addition to GDP over the last few years of 2%. Average earnings for, for households over the last three months were up 8.5%, uh, again, according to the ONS. So it may or may not actually be true. But this is the biggest jump on records dating back more than 20 years, excluding the, the unusual pandemic years. And well, first of all, what do you make of that? And the real issue here is whether this means Bank of England's going to have to raise interest rates even more. I'm pleased that wages are going up. I mean, I know it's mildly inflationary. It's part of the mix of inflation, but I'm pleased that wages are going up uh, just because, you know, a lot of people are going through an incredibly tough time. And, you know, you can read the inflation number, um, but it's very difficult to work out what the impact of that is on the average family. You know, it's very, very difficult. Uh, it leads into two very big debates, actually. Uh, one is about interest rates and what the bank are going to do. Uh, my hunch is they're going to put up another quarter. I, I don't think they should, but I think they will. And the other big one is 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 pensions. Uh, this is going to be a huge debate. There are now 12 million people receiving an old age pension of some kind in the UK. It's a huge number of people. And under the 2011 triple lock provisions, that would mean pensions rising by 8.5% next year, more than the rate of headline inflation is likely to be and it may sound harsh, but I just don't think we can afford it. And I think the government are going to say, no, we can't do this. Uh, I wonder where the Labour Party will be on this. Maybe, that, maybe they'll agree with the government because they agree on almost everything else. Um, so, so, yeah, as you say, 
lots of conflicting data. I mean, the food inflation figures yesterday showed a big drop, yet petrol and diesel had its biggest rise for almost 10 years in one month. So there's a lot of, a lot of very conflicting data out there, uh, equally, you know, housing market statistics uh, showing that interest rates really are beginning to hurt people. And there's always a bit of a lag time with these things. Uh, and again, that's beginning to push. Well, the effective, I mean, the effective sale price of a house from the peak is down about 15%. That's, that's about where we are in middle England with the property market, if you really want to shift property. Um, and yet again, you see, we can get terribly pessimistic and bearish about all of that. But actually, actually, if it falls another five or 10, that'll probably be it. You know, that'll probably be it. So for cash buyers, good times are around the corner. As I say, we get things are rarely, things are rarely as good as they seem or as bad as they seem. I think it's a pretty good maxim in life. Yeah, the mortgage market is, is what you're referring to there. We've got a, a huge jump in mortgages in arrears for the last three months, 28.8% increase in the amount that are in arrears, 16.9 billion pounds. Well, at the same time, the total amount of mortgages outstanding fell by the most on record, um, going back to 2007, suggesting that there is still ongoing trouble in the housing market. Do you think that's going to give the Bank of England enough pause for thought to pause? Um, well, I hope because... so. Well, I hope so. I hope so because they were much too slow to put rates up when they should have been, uh, and there's now a danger that they go on putting up rates when they shouldn't be. Um, I, I, I mean, spin a coin. I, look, you know, if anybody can get it wrong every time, it's Andrew Bailey. So I'm still going to say that a quarter point rise is the most likely effect. Well, thank you for watching. And I hope you agree it's never been more important to take control of your own money, your own financial situation. We do a daily free email, a fortune and freedom daily email with lots of knowledge, lots of insight. It's a very useful way of protecting yourself for the future. So please click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com and get my daily email.